0: here we are our third week of our series of known there will be four weeks altogether, and uh, this week three we're looking at what does it mean to be a child of the king in christ you are fully known and fully embedded into the family of faith our passage of scripture today as we've heard is romans 8 verses 14 to 17 Did you know that there is a pandemic going on around us that we haven't really talked too much about it? Someone said it's the isolation epidemic. In recent polls, it was said that more than 50% of us are feeling very lonely. Right now, one of our greatest challenges is indeed this issue of isolation. November, uh, they took a poll, and three in five people reported loneliness. See, loneliness occurs when there is lack of genuine human connection to other people. And technology is becoming a larger and larger part of our lives, even more so through this pandemic, but it is causing us to be even more and more isolated. Now, you might say to me, wait a minute, Pastor Betty, I'm connected. I can take my social platforms, my social media, and show you all my friends and all my followers. But this couldn't be further from the truth. See, we are truly wired to connect. But connect with human beings face to face. We all need it. Simon Sinek stated, when a person feels stressed, unfortunately, they are not turning to another person for help. They are turning to a device and social media for relief. And and I couldn't help to think that even for us today, as we're discussing this, we're not turning to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not necessarily turning to God for help. If we're not careful, we're turning to a device. Tristan Harris, a former Google product manager, admitted that these devices uh, were intentionally designed to make us addicted. Every time we pick up our phones, we're pulling a lever in hope of winning some exciting reward, some kind of news, much like somebody uses a slot machine. Every time we get a text or a status update, we get a jolt of dopamine. It's that pleasure system of our brains, the same system that controls addictions, much like cocaine. <clears throat> I remember we had a couples retreat as a church in November, and one of the things was saying about, you know, the busyness and finding times for ourselves as couples. And talking about all these technology and social uh, means is, is a way that keeps us from being together, even in our marriages. And so we were challenged that we were going to put our phone down when we went out for a meal together and that we were going to make a point to sit at the table and eat our supper together and spend time with each other instead of watching television as we ate our dinner together. I like what somebody said. Somebody said that relationships are the currency of life and nothing takes the place of real human face-to-face connection. And I'm saying that as we have a service today on cable TV. Human connection makes you feel heard. Helps you to feel understood. And what we all long for is a sense of belonging. And that's why today we're looking at this third uh, part of our sermon series that in Christ you are fully known as we've looked in the previous weeks but you're also fully known as you are embedded in the family of faith as a place of connection not isolation see when I understand that I'm a child of God that is a connection Look at verse 14 of our passage today. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. How do you know that you are a part of the family of God? Well, Jesus declared in John 14, verse 6, he made it very clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And see, God made a way for us to become the adopted daughters and sons of God, and it is through belief and faith in Christ. No one come, becomes a Christian without doing that. And when we become a Christian, though, we become now a part of the family of God, and God is indeed our Father. It's a place of connection and relationship, connection with him and connection with one another. And the truth is, as we all know, it's by grace because we have done nothing to deserve it. God, the great father in his amazing love and mercy, has sent his son and he has now taken us the lost, the helpless, poverty-stricken sinner and through faith in Christ has adopted us into the family of God. And so Paul says that as we've come to faith, we're a part of the family of God. We are the children of God. And knowing and experiencing that means we know and experience God as our father. He says in verse 15, we cry, Abba, Father. It's the word that Jesus used when he was teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer, a term of intimacy that we can talk and we can pray to our heavenly Father. It's amazing when you think about it, to be able to call the only eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe, Father, or even that term we struggle with, Daddy, is one of the greatest blessings of what it means to be a part of God's family. Though God created every one of us, the truth is we all remain alienated from our Father until we come to him through his provision, our Savior Jesus Christ. And he is a good, good father. He is waiting for his children to realize that and to come to him through the way he has made for us to come through believing in Christ as our Lord and our Savior. So it doesn't just mean that we are a part, we are the children of God and we have God as our father, but to be a part of God's family means that we now are a part of a large and loving family known as the church. Let me share share with you some things about my family. I have a very wonderful father. In fact, he is the wisest person who ever lived, the richest person who ever lived, the very extraordinary person and i have hundreds and thousands of brothers and sisters and they all live all over the world and they are in every color and every age and every size and every shape and by now you've probably figured out <laughs> i'm not talking about my earthly family i'm talking about my heavenly family not about a physical family but a spiritual family i'm talking about the family of god and we are supposed to have wonderful times together Connected. We're to encourage each other and to support each other and to pray for each other and to build each other up. And we can always go to our all-wise father and our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, for counsel and for help through the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into a fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, Paul says in verse 15. See, the truth of it is, our triune God is relational. What do I mean by that? Well, the very fact is our God is the three-in-one and the one-in-three and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in relationship, and that relationship now is reaching out to you and to me and inviting me in to have relationship with them. And as we have relationship with them, we have relationship with each other. See, family conveys, as I said, the sense of belonging. To be in the family of God means I'm accepted just the way I am for who we are. You know that's what family does. They love us because we're family. (laughs) We're loved, cherished, celebrated, and praise God in the family of God, we're fully forgiven. One of the metaphors that Paul uses in this passage to help us to get this concept is he says we are the adopted children of God. Verse 15, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. I like the story that Carl Stiegel tells of two brothers who entered the first grade and one said he was born January 1st, 1984. The other one said he was born April 4th, 1984. And the teacher said, that's impossible. No, replied the first brother, one of us is adopted. Which one, asked the teacher. I don't really know, he, he replied. One day I asked my dad and he kissed us both and said, I forgot Christians can never forget that every one of us has been adopted into the family of God and so Paul wrote to the Romans here that we are God's very own children adopted into the bosom of his family now one of our problems though is we need to really understand Roman Greco adoption versus our concept of adoption The common understanding of adoption in the Greco-Roman world would have been functional. It was a tool of the elite, especially the emperors would use it to secure succession, legacy and inheritance. And that's what Paul is referring to here in this passage. Adopted sons were pulled into a bigger story and something better and expected to fulfill an imperial purpose. Adoption was about a movement of power, not compassion, not to go and rescue the orphans. That was not part of what Paul is saying here. Emperor Claudius adopted Nero, for example, in history, in order that he might succeed him on the throne, but they were no blood relations whatsoever. But one of the amazing things, I want you to listen, what were the consequences of being adopted in the Greco-Roman world? Listen to the consequences and see how this applies to us. The adopted person lost all rights in his old family, but now gained all rights as a legitimate son in his new family. Isn't that what Christ has done for us? They became an heir to his new father's estate, which we'll look at shortly. The old life of the adopted was completely wiped clean. All debts were canceled, and he was considered a new person entering into now a new life. And in the eyes of the law, he was the son of the new father. Legally bound, he was a child of the new father we also know that the adoption ceremony was carried out in the presence of seven witnesses this made this actual act irrevocable once that happened it was witnessed it was done and nobody could ever question it later on and Paul says to us in this scripture the Holy Spirit himself witnesses our adoption into the family of god he says that in verse 16 for the holy spirit makes god's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being you are god's beloved child praise god and so paul goes on on that note he says about the fact now that if we are adopted we are heirs and co-heirs with christ Verse 17, And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself, and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. That which Christ inherits, we inherit. To be a part of the family of God means having an, an internal, eternal eternal inheritance. Unlike our temporal, material inheritance that some children receive from a parent, believers in Christ will receive an imperishable, unfading, eternal inheritance from their Father in heaven. Those who have received Christ can therefore call God Father and will inherit eternal life and have a resurrected body in the new heaven and the new earth. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have an inheritance. See, you are far richer than you realize. Your eternal inheritance is priceless, pure, permanent, and it is protected. And no one can take it away. It can't be destroyed by war or a poor economy (laughs) or a natural disaster or even a pandemic this eternal inheritance not retirement is what we should be really focusing on and looking forward to and working on paul says get your eyes on those things, not temporal, but eternal. Look what Paul says in Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. As I bring this to a conclusion, I heard a very, very sad story but it was back from 2015. In a heartbreaking story from 2015, one teenager posted an ad on Craigslist asking to rent a family for her birthday so she wouldn't have to be alone. ABC News interviewed her and said, I just want one day that I can feel important and special and like I matter even if I really don't. That's just one of the many heartbreaking sentences that this 19-year-old Natalie Carson's Craigslist search for a family. She says she usually tries to sleep through her birthday. See, she had aged out of foster care and was never adopted. So she spends her holidays and birthdays alone. Do you know the truth of it is this pandemic has brought the reality that we have been spending a lot of our holidays, a lot of our days alone, much like Natalie, a sad story. And for us as believers in Christ, when God has provided us with such a wonderful family of God, it is sad if we are isolated and spending life alone. You see, I I, I think about that longing for home, longing to be together, longing to eat a meal together. Before I moved to the island back in 2014, it was a regular event that every week, our family would gather around a table and we would eat a meal together. And it was so great to be all together again. And we longed for that. I looked forward to that as my family would come and sit with me and we would hear about their week and we would hear about their struggles and hear about their triumphs. And it was being family together being connected and a lot of us through this pandemic we have longed for that because we know that family is a place that we're just accepted it's a safe place we're loved a place where you are known a place where you belong do you realize that that's how god wants all of us to feel Every Sunday when we gather to worship together, now you're worshiping online today, but we are still connected by his spirit. That God wants us to realize that we are a part of a greater huge family and that we're to find ways to connect with others in this family of God. And we're going to be challenged now as we're moving out of this pandemic into an endemic that we've got to take the time and the effort to find ways to connect with others in the church family. Whether it's having a cup of coffee or picking up the phone or doing whatever we need to do, we need to find ways to connect because we have been created for this by God. We are known and we are the children of God. And we have a heavenly father and we have a family and we have a glorious inheritance. See, people get all excited about going to a family reunion and seeing all their relatives. I like to think that I go to a family reunion every Sunday, every Lord's Day. I have my family reunion right here with God's people. The church is indeed a family. It's not a building, it's not an institution, it's not an organization, it's not just some club. It's a family. The family of God. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to church as if it's a place to go. That's not correct, my friends. The church is not a place you go. The church is a family you belong to. It's not about going and doing a religious duty, waving at each other. (laughs) It's really about God has created us for face-to-face connections with people, not isolation, not to go to a phone or a, a a, a television changer and use that instead of going to speak to other people or going to God. But you have a choice every week and so do I. Will you choose to connect with your family? Or are you like that chair that's empty at the family table that we all know that person's missing, but it's not quite the same that they haven't come to this meal and we're longing for them. I, I believe that's what God has for all of us, that we gather together as the family of God. We stay connected. We encourage each other. We love each other and we celebrate the wonder of God that we have as our father Christ Jesus as our brother and the inheritance that Christ has purchased for us by his blood being shed on the cross, coming up out of that grave on the day of resurrection and now ascended to the right hand of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're all part of God's family in Christ. God bless you today.